This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Eric Barnes and Jack Frew. Hello and welcome to the Laravel News Podcast. I am Eric Barnes and with me as always is Jack Frew. So how are we doing this week, Jack? Oh my goodness, we are coming off of a high from Laracon. Yes, it was, uh, the, I guess this was the second time we actually got to meet in person, right? Because we, we met right. last, at last year's Laracon. Yeah, the, the first one was when we met the first time. That was before we did this. And now here we are. Uh, this is what, 23 episodes in? Yeah. I have to say it was really neat because I, I met a ton of people at Laracon that had heard us on the podcast. How about you? Did did that happen to you as yeah, well? Yeah, it did. It was actually surprising to me because uh, when you publish these out, you don't really have an idea of actually how many people are listening. I mean, it shows you in the stats and, and things like that, but it doesn't really... Like uh, it doesn't translate to real life. Right, right, right exactly. And um, so, so it was nice as far as like meeting everybody. And I had a lot of people saying, you know, as soon as you started talking, I realized who you were. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. And I thought everybody was really cool. Like nobody was like, you know, mean about our podcast or anything like that. So, you know, if, I, if you uh, are one of the people that met us at the conference, thanks for all the nice things that you said. And uh, I feel like almost kind of bad, like I should have kept some kind of running log of everyone's name so I could read them all off the show. But uh, it was so many people, I don't know that we'd even have time for that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And another thing that kind of made me sad was, you know, coming home, I realized that there were so many people I didn't actually go up and meet. So, I met a lot of people, but there was also like a whole bunch of people that I didn't meet and didn't, you know, get out of my introvert's shell and, and go find them and say, hey, how are you? Um, so I was kind of sad about that. I got to do better next year. I think that you have it especially hard because you were, uh, for those of you listening that, you know, that weren't there, Eric does a live blog at the event, right? So that's, that's challenging because it really means that like Eric's got to be like, he's got to be in the room early. You know, after a session's done, you know, he's trying to finish up any things that he wants to upload pictures and all that kind of stuff. It's very taxing work. So, you know, I feel like in that sense, Eric, like the odds are stacked against you for trying to get out and like socialize because you do have that kind of responsibility that you've taken on. So, uh, by the way, speaking of the live blog, was that was that pretty popular this year? Did you have uh, a number of people yeah. follow it? Yeah, it was. um well, the same thing happened as last year. Uh, when we first launched it, the uh, server went down, um, oh, no. and uh, so we I switched it to the like the eighty dollar Digital Ocean box. Um, you know, took it down and, and reformatted or whatever it, whatever they do. And yeah. uh, so then after that point, it kind of held up, but it was still running at like ninety five percent CPU. Oh my! Um, but it but it stayed up the rest of the time, so that was good. Even even during uh, Taylor's talk, it stayed up, so that was that was really really nice. So next year you got to go with like the hundred and sixty dollars server for like two days and then put it back oh, yeah. right away. I, I, I'm really thinking there should be a better way, like maybe not actually from the site, but you know some of these social platforms, like you know maybe like Facebook or Twitter or Snapchat or something like that. But there should be a, a better way of like doing it live than than just writing into the into a post. But I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna have to research that. Yeah, and another thing that would be really nice for next year is if we could get the speakers to give us their slide decks before they talk and then <laughs> and then put, you know, pictures and things like that in with it. But uh I think that's the dream of every reporter covering a conference. Yes. And then the flip side is is every single speaker I've ever talked to, with maybe like two exceptions, they're like, My slides aren't done until like the moment I walk on stage. Exactly. You know, 
because there's like so much prep work that goes into it. Yeah. And where we were sitting, we were on the right side of the stage at the very bottom. It wasn't a great place to even take pictures and things like that. So, Oh, yeah. The pictures, I tried to, I tried to take a few. Uh, so for those of you, if you can picture this, uh, Laricon is in a, like a large auditorium, I guess medium-sized auditorium. I'm not really sure. It seats, I think, 622 people. So imagine like a, you know, a high school auditorium or something like that. And the seating is kind of in like an arc. So there's like a nice center section that's got a straight view of the stage. But then on the sides, you're kind of at an angle. And if you've ever tried to take a picture of like a whiteboard or a screen from an angle, you know that it kind of comes out on your camera like a trapezoid, right? Uh, and it, it, it presents, you know, some challenges to try to get it to look good. And that's where, that's where Eric uh, and I were sitting for this thing. Speaking of the conference, so we do have, uh, we've got a lot of great stuff to cover in this episode. We're going to talk about the conference and some of the things that we saw and liked. Eric, you've got some news that you wanted to share about Laravel News, right? Uh, right, and then yeah. I think that, and then I think we also have uh, some information about a sponsor that we think would be really helpful for folks. So, uh, Eric, do you want to tell us about the new Laravel News? I think you hinted about this in a past episode. Right, yeah. So I've been working with a design firm, uh, Zangle. Pretty sure we've covered uh, Jesse Shutt before. He he's put a bunch of uh, a bunch of Laravel content out and stuff like that. But um, yeah. But anyway, I've been working with them to redesign and rebrand Laravel News um, completely. So I am planning on finishing up that this weekend and soft launching it either Saturday or Sunday, and then Monday doing the official launch, which will be, I guess it'll be yesterday by the time this this airs. But uh, so I've been spending the last probably three weeks, you know going crazy trying to get everything set up and ready for for this transition it's it's kind of crazy i'm i'm keeping wordpress as the back end but i'm using its api to feed the new site which is a laravel app that just kind of pulls down through the laravel scheduler and so eric for somebody like me who hasn't really worked with a design firm before what's that process like do they just give you like Photoshop mockups, and then you're the one creating the HTML, or do they give you like HTML, but then it's up to you to kind of graft it into Laravel, or like, you know, what is that kind of division of labor? How does that work out? Um, most of the design firms I've worked with before give you the option, so you can either they will send you the PSDs and you can do it yourself, or you can pay extra and they'll do it for you. Okay. On this one, I went with them doing it for me because I just didn't have time to to slice it all up and to come up with something some sort of CSS that's maintainable in the short time I have available. So, so I, they're actually doing everything. Um, now, when you say they're doing everything, does that mean they're giving you HTML, but you're still putting it into like a blade template or do they actually do the Laravel side too? They do the Laravel side too. Um, on, for this one, I'm actually creating all the controllers and models and all that stuff, but they, they've done all the, the view files, all the blade files. Okay. So that was... And then that must be interesting because I mean, whenever I've worked with views, like... If I, uh, and I do this a lot because I'm not, you know, I'm still kind of learning this stuff. I'll have a view that I copied from somewhere else and it'll require a variable that I don't have passed over from my controller. And of course I get a giant error on the screen. So did you give them controllers first and, or like some kind of API spec to work from, or did they give you these views and you load them up and you get errors and then you kind of just start working the controller in order to, to grab the required pieces of information that the view needs? Um, in this situation, I actually created the controllers first um, and sent down the basic data that they would need. And then, okay. the, so they use that in some situations and the other ones, they just kind of put their own stuff in. And then what I did was take that and just replace the text with my variables. And and um, it was it was pretty simple, really. It saved me a ton of time. You know, one thing I learned at Laricon, uh, which I, I didn't know is Zangle, which to me seems like such a great, 
name for a company, right? Uh, it's actually like a guy's last name. Right, yeah. Like it's like there's a guy, I, I, what's his first name? Do you remember? Uh, Philip. Philip Zangle. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I saw this guy's name tag and I was like, that's kind of weird. I'm like, did he change his last name to like match his company name? That was his name to begin with. So like what a great name to uh, to throw on a company. I thought that was uh, that was pretty neat. Uh, I met a couple people from them, uh, from Zangle, and they all seem pretty nice. They, you know, I, I thought it was a good group of people and sounds like you've had pretty good luck working with them, right? Yeah, yeah. This was actually my second project with them. I worked with them on the uh, .dev branding and site, which didn't end up being used the way I wanted, um, but the branding and all that's still in use. So that, so they did all that. And then this one, I went to them and, and you know, to see if they had, had availability and they did and it all worked out. So it's, um, yeah, I'm excited. So so what are your plans? Like, are you are you thinking you're going to be able to launch this thing soon? Yeah, that's the plan. I'm going to soft launch it this weekend and then launch, uh, official launch Monday. Okay. Unless some, and this something major goes, goes wrong. And this podcast goes out on Tuesday. So if you're listening to the podcast, then I think what that means is you can head on over to Laravel-news.com and see the brand new user interface and everything. That's right. Yes. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, here's a, like, I guess more of a non-technical question, but what's... What's your motivation like to change the site that you had? And when do you like as a, you know, as a site owner, when do you know like, hey, it's time to freshen this thing up versus just leaving it the way it is? Because like I know some people like, you know, I think people have commented that like Jeffrey Way's probably, you know, redone Laracasts, you know, five or six times, right? There are other websites that have been the same for five years. So like what, what do you think goes into that decision? I think it's a lot of personal preference, really. Um for me, Laravel News started out with uh, just the theme that I bought, which Laravel News actually started out on Tumblr, and then I moved over to, to I don't know, I don't know. I've went through like four revisions up until this point, but it was always been stuff that I designed myself, and I was never really happy with it. Um, so, so now it seems like this. I guess the last year and this year, I started to get a few more sponsors, and I'm, I use that money to to reinvest and to have something that I'm you know, proud of that I want to, that I'm happy to show the world. So that's, that's kind of where it's moving to. And I'm, I'm happy about that. You know, previously my logo was a, like a, a $1.99 image from the noun project. Um, uh-huh. So, so it's nice to actually have something that I can call my own. Nice. Nice. Um, do you have screenshots of your older versions? Probably. I usually keep that stuff. Um, you should, yeah, that would be kind of neat to have like a history page at some point can, and just show the actually, revisions. You know what? There's a post on the site with, uh, with some of the old stuff. I, I need, I'll pull that up and put it up, put it in the show notes. Um, okay. Yeah. Cause I think it's always neat to see, especially when you know people have kind of recently revamped. It's nice to see like where they've been. I've even seen that for like big Fortune 500 companies, right? Like they show the evolution of like a logo like General Electric over years and it's the same logo but it changes so subtly and you, you know you wouldn't notice it unless you saw it yeah did you see amazon the i seen it going around on twitter it's like somebody posted the first version of amazon the amazon website it was horrible for, you know from the i guess what 93 or something yeah you know and you know what's scary is i i actually visited that lab, like that website live during that time <laughs> right like I, re- I remember that site from actually using it not not just because i saw a picture of it now you're showing your age oh yeah for sure for sure <laughs> Yeah, same way that Wayback Machine. That's that's awesome um, utility. Oh, it's so neat that people have figured these things out and kind of started archiving some of the stuff. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, because you, you can go back and see the first version of Laravel too, and you know how it's changed. It had the the lo- lobster font as the logo, and and uh, but yeah. I don't know if I've seen that. I'm gonna have to look at that. I do remember uh, 
wasn't it like a couple of maybe like episode 18 or something where they talked about the fifth anniversary of Laravel and there was a, a post somewhere that kind of had like Taylor's original, I don't know where he dumped it to. I don't think it was Reddit, but there was some place where he kind of started talking about it and it, like, I don't, did he even have controllers back then? Like it was so simple back then. Uh, it, it's interesting how, you know, how these things progress and they add functionality, but you know, unfortunately with functionality also comes learning overhead, right? You know, you've, you've got more to get your head around if you're going to dive into it and stuff like that. But Right. Yeah. The first version, I think he, he actually launched it or announced it on a site called Forest, which was, um, um, can't remember now who, who, who owned it at the time, but it's been sold since then. But yeah, it didn't have controllers. It was basically just routing only. Okay. It's changed a lot since those old days. Eric, I think it's time to talk about our sponsor this week. Do you want to tell us uh, who they are and what they do? Yeah, so this week we are sponsored by Shippo. Um, Shippo is an API and dashboard for uh, all your shipping needs. What is fantastic about it is it hooks in all these different shipping carriers. So, you know, if you're creating like a t-shirt store or something like that where you have to ship out physical products, dealing with, you know, the FedEx, UPS, the postage, the United States Postal Service, all that's a pain because everybody's API is different. So they unify it all into one. And, um, and then you just make simple calls to, to get your shipping rates, to get uh, shipping labels, to get everything. So it's a, it's a super awesome service. And uh, definitely check it out. It's at uh, GoShippo.com. Nice. So, you know, one of the things that, uh, that I always like get frustrated with when I'm buying from like a I don't want to say a you know, like little site, but you know, there's like there's big sites like Amazon where they've kind of refined everything and you know what to expect. But then every once in a while, you find something on a little site that you want to you want to buy from because they're not on Amazon. I always find it frustrating when like I have to go through a bunch of different menu clicks to find out what the shipping prices are going to be. You know what I mean? Like because you know, like okay, well, you know, if we can send it through the post office, it's this price, or we can send it to you know via UPS, it's going to be that price. Does this with the Shippo thing help? a web developer in that way to like present all the prices at once. Oh yeah. Yeah. It does that. It, it does basically everything for shipping to make it simple. Um, so you, it, it'll do different rate. You can display different rates. Um, it has web hooks. So like once you've purchased, they, they'll actually send a, a web hook back saying, you know, this item's been shipped and then you can use that web hook to in turn email your customer and say, this is your tracking number. Um, you can actually give them real time updates on as far as where it's at things like that. So yeah, it's, it's super powerful. And is it, uh, is it sold as a, like a one thing that you buy or is it like a kind of a monthly service that you pay for? Well, it's not monthly. It's just uh, the shipping cost plus five cents per shipment. Oh my goodness. And um, that's like nothing. Yeah. But I mean, it's, yeah, you can't go wrong using it. Five cents. Yep. I wonder how they're making any money. That's nothing. We need, we need a credit card processor that works that way. Yeah. Right. Can you imagine <laughs> five cents per transaction? Yeah. Sign me up. That's awesome. Cool. Well, uh, I look forward to, uh, you know, digging into this and learning a little bit more about them. So, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're building e-commerce, definitely check them out. It, it'll be a, it's a lifesaver. Uh, awesome, Eric. That, that, that looks really exciting. So going back to our Laracon experience, you know, we talked about how Eric was doing the live stream. Uh, I didn't really do anything. I was just kind of attending and uh, enjoying myself. I did end up volunteering at the uh, sign-in booth for like the first day after I don't know, like 8.15 or after 8.30 or something like that. So I might have actually seen you on the way in. If I did, that was awesome to meet you. Um, what do you think about the sessions and the, the event in general? And what, did, you have, did you enjoy it better than last year? Would you say it's the same? Like you, you feel like you're, you know, is, is, has Laracon reached its peak or do you think it's continuing to grow? 
Um, for me, I think it's continuing to grow. I mean, every year they, they make little changes to try to improve the experience for everybody. Like uh, this year, they added that first day with the, um, with the workshops. And another thing I really liked this year was how they brought in the different speakers, like the Avenue with Vue.js, the Ryan Singer with um, uh, Hughes from Basecamp. And then trying to think, there was even a few more, right? That was kind of outside of PHP. Or yeah, who was talks. the? Uh, there were two, there were a couple of people from the Ruby community, right? Uh, Sandy right, Metz, Sandy Metz, and um, Machuga, Matt Machuga. Um, yeah, he was one of the original like Laravel people. Like when I first learned of Laravel, he was always big into the IRC in the community. And I think I still see him on IRC. Oh, he might be. And then, but then his job took him away over to uh, Ruby and Rails, but he still kind of hangs out with the community. So, um, yeah. so it was nice to to have him come in. I also really enjoyed that talk by Ben Ramsey on HTTP2. Did you like that one, Eric? I actually, I actually missed that one. Um, we, we as Oh, in, that's right. You, you yeah. guys were out. Yeah, so Userscape, we had a special meeting that day, and we ended up missing that one. And there was one other one that day we missed. Um, so I'm waiting for the live videos to come out to, to catch up on the ones I missed. Now, Eric, you've got... You've got links to all these uh, slide decks that have been posted so far on your website, right? Right, yeah. There is a Laracon recap post, and I put uh, puts links to all the slide decks on it. So, yeah, you'll want to check out that one from Ben Ramsey. What he talked about was HTTP2, and uh, it was really, really an interesting talk. He went into the history of HTTP and kind of how this new format kind of came about. And it, it apparently is not really backwards compatible with 1.1. And originally they had said that, you know, they were not going to break the backward compatibility. But then I think Google started kind of doing their own thing. And enough people got nervous that it was getting privatized that they said, you know what, let's let's just make an open standard to kind of compete with that. Um, but there were some neat things that he was showing us. Uh, like, this is really interesting, Eric. You know, the so let's see, as a web developer, hopefully we all know the cost of latency. But if you if you don't, real briefly imagine that you download a web page and that web page uses, let's just say a hundred images, right? So the images may not be very big. They may not take a lot of bandwidth, but every single image has to be negotiated one by one, right? Which means your web browser has got to go back over the network, ask the server for that device, you know, that, that resource, the web server has got to pass that back. And depending on how far you are from the web server and network latency and switches and things like that, all those little hops can take, so much time that they add up to a very slow experience for the user. And Eric, one of the things that he was telling us that you can do with this HTTP2 is you can apparently somehow tell the web server what stuff it needs to send. And when it sends back the page, it will also send in the same like continuous stream, like other assets that you've told it to send with. Like if you know that every page is going to need a particular image or a particular JavaScript or whatever, that all gets kind of packaged up and sent as if it was like one large binary file instead of all these independent back and forths and everything. It was really kind of fascinating to me. And then, you know, I still have some unanswered questions like normally with a browser, you've, you know, a browser has its own cache. So I don't know how that gets affected with that kind of thing. But they, they talked about the performance of it. He showed some ways to look at developer tools to tell whether the site you were attached to was using HTTP2 or not. And, and I know for me, like it just seemed like it was a, it was a pretty big eye opener. There was some some good information there that I did not know. So Yeah, and actually what was really neat too was after his talk, um, somebody created a Laravel package to do to handle it all automatically for you. you and then me? there was another one released like the week before. And um so that they they both vary a little bit on how they figure out what assets to send down. But um but I haven't had a chance to actually read up and cover either one of those yet. I'm planning on doing that this week. 
um, depending on what the on if Laravel five point three releases or not. But that'll be oh, that's that, right, yeah. I'll be covering those coming up probably in the next week or two, probably so before the next five, recording. Yeah. So speaking of five point three, that's obviously probably on a, a lot of uh, your minds if you're listening. Is you know where are we at with that? So uh, Taylor did do. A, you know, it was interesting. We had these workshops the first day. They were longer sessions. And Taylor had a, I'm going to put air quotes around the word workshop because it really wasn't a workshop as much as a here's what's coming in 5.3. Yeah, it was, uh, uh, the way I described it was, uh, it was like the, the guy from the micro machine commercials from the 90s. Um, talk, you know, how fast he always talked. Uh, it was, that's the way I felt like Taylor was talking to run through all those features, you know. There were so many, so many, and so much stuff. It, it was uh, kind of unreal. Yeah. So the the takeaways from that, well, number one is five three isn't out. I I get the feeling from what he said and what he's tweeted that he feels like the framework part is done, but that the documentation part still needs some work. So I think he's working on that. And I mean, if I was a gambling person, which we all know how that worked last time for uh, Eric and I, as Eric became the champion of the world for guessing correctly. But uh, I, I would say he'll probably release it at Laracon EU, which is less than a month away now, right? Uh, I think it'll be before then. You think so? Well, on stage, he said that uh, it's ready except for documentation. And at one point, he said, I plan on having it done before Laracon EU. Okay. Um, so we might see it right in between the yeah. two. I'm, I'm going to say it's going to be ready next week, but you know, that's just my, my yeah. guess. Yeah. I'll, I'll get your business cards printed up. <laughs> Eric champion of the world. Again. again. Second time. Yeah. <laughs> Do you happen to have a list of what new things are coming in five, three that he talked about? I think a lot of them we've covered before, but I thought there was at least one or two new things that were, um, that were kind of like dropped on the world. Right. Some of the big things was Laravel Scout, which is a uh, driver-based uh, full-text search for Eloquent. And what that does is allow you to hook up with Algolia. Um, and then Algolia is going to come out of the box, and you can always add other ones. Um, and I'm sure the community is going to create a bunch of them. But, but basically what that is is you don't have to create, create your own search indexes or anything like that. It's just set it and forget it type deal. Um, and so that'll make searching all your models like super easy. Um, the next one was Laravel Mailable. And what that is, a, is a new mail class for sending emails in, a, in an expressive way. Uh, Laravel Notifications for sending uh, notifications out through like SMS, Slack, email, anything like that. And then finally is Laravel Passport, which is a full oauth2 server package and uh that one is going to be optional you can install it through you know through composer kind of like cashier so you glossed over some of those pretty quick i just want to kind of hit those a little bit deeper because some of them you know to me were pretty significant so the the passport and the oauth2 thing seemed like it was a big deal now i'm not a big oauth user so it wouldn't really benefit me but the people that use it apparently it's really really a pain to set up and configure and like Taylor demonstrated setting one up on stage, and I think it took him like a total of five minutes to configure an OAuth server. So I think that's like a really, really big time saver in an area where the people that are using OAuth to like go between applications and stuff like that now have a very easy way to get that set up without having to deal with all of the underlying pain. So that was pretty cool. And the notification thing also, I thought was actually pretty neat. Did you did you like that when you saw it? Did you you were you were there for that one, right? Eric? Right. Yeah, I did like it. Um, you know, the way it works is instead of saying uh, mail send, you know, this is the subject and then two from, 
all this other stuff. It's basically kind of like a um, uh, transactional email template, I guess. Well, you're thinking of the uh, what were they called? What, what was the mail piece? I was thinking about the notifications, but the mail piece um, is the one you're describing, where it's kind of like a better templating system than they had before. Well, no, actually, actually, right? they're both they're both similar. So the are they okay? Yeah. So well, the notifications is similar as far as if you're sending an email notification, but uh, I see. the notifications actually is um, so you do like this line, and you just enter the line of text. Um, this action, which would be your button text. And then, uh, and then success or error or whatever, whatever type of message you're going to send. Um, and then behind the scenes, depending on how you're sending the message, you know, if it's from an email, then it, then it has a transactional email template it auto- automatically uses. Um, okay. If it's an SMS or any of these other services, then it's just kind of straight tech. What I liked about it was he kind of showed off that, like, you'd set up your notifications in the notification system and that that decoupled it from what the actual transport mechanism was going to be, right? right? So like it sounded like once you set up your notifications this way, maybe you start with email, right? But maybe later you want to go to a text message, right? Or Slack or whatever. Your code then stays the same and you just kind of configure the notification engine to to send it to a different place. Um, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, and then um, the ma- the mailable, it's uh, it changes. So you, you can use like the mail facade. You can do mail to, you know, me at yourdomain.com and then send and inside the send you add uh, a new mail class and uh, that that allows you to customize all your mails you know a lot more messages yeah, yeah. All your mail messages a lot better than than what you could do previously or currently and I, I know if you're if you're listening it's hard to kind of picture yeah. this but one of the things that one of the things that they had talked about on stage was that the current mail system you have to do like a closure with one of those you know we talked about this I think last week like function and then you, you have the kind of like inside that function, you're assigning your to and you're from and stuff like that. And Taylor was like, you know, I just, I just didn't like the way it read. I just didn't like the way it looked on screen to have that kind of thing. So they basically simplified it down to where it can be essentially like a one line command. Now that's much, much simpler and easier. And then uh, going back to that search stuff, that was an, that's actually like ironically, because I'm, you know, those of you who listen all the time know that, you know, Laravel is not my strong suit. Uh, search is actually something I have a ton of experience with over on the, the SharePoint side. We do, we do, a, you know, gobs and gobs of, uh, of, you know, terabytes worth of stuff that we index and search on a regular basis. So I was really impressed with this uh, Algolia. Is that what they, is that how you pronounce I think it's it? Algolia. 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 I was really impressed with that and also with the integration and stuff with it because a couple of things that you don't really think about when you're dealing with search is like search usually creates an index of what's on your site, right? So until that index is built, you can't search anything. And one of the things you have to think about then is like as you add and remove content, how does that index get updated, right? And it looks like they have API function calls so that as each piece of information gets updated, you can call the API and say like essentially re-index this piece or add this piece or whatever. Uh, and then there's also a similar thing for removing content if it if it got removed. In my day job, I do you know we use we use search systems that cost you know that cost some pretty good money, and we have little problems like somebody will you know delete a record for example. I'm using the word record, but they'll delete something from the site, but it still shows up in search results for let's say like a day because we do like a crawl once a day and it crawls like everything on that site and that kind of stuff. So it really seemed pretty. Uh, pretty you know pretty well thought out in terms of how they were going to update this search index and all that stuff i was i was pretty impressed with that yeah yeah i'm, I'm excited for that because on my new site i'm going to integrate that and i was kind of 
waiting. I was like, should I, should I wait on Laravel 5.3? So it would just automatically be, you know, have all this stuff. And uh, I decided not to wait, but I'm going to relaunch, you know, in a week or two with, with uh, on 5.3 so I can, so I can take advantage of the searching and all that. It's yeah, going to be, I'm excited sense. about that part of it. And I think it's smart to just launch now and then kind of, you know what I mean? Cause yeah. you can always wait for something, but you know, you, you know, then you, you're, there's, there, there'll always be something else. Speaking of waiting. Oh, you know what I am waiting for is, uh, this Vue.js stuff. So Evan Yu, the creator of Vue.js was there and he did a, like a workshop day session, which was like 90 minutes on the first day. And then he did a follow-up session on the second day and he was showing off Vue 2.0, which right now is still in beta. But when I, when I spoke with him at the conference and I think what he basically said was, I think he's expecting that that's going to ship maybe around the same time as 5.3 does, like within a couple of weeks. Nice, right. Nice. Um, my goodness, he was showing some really cool stuff. And, you know, at, at first glance, you looked at it and he was just kind of creating a single page web application and things like that. But all of the stuff that he was doing with it, and we covered a lot of this in the last episode. If you if you haven't listened to that, go back and pick that one up where we interviewed him. But like just neat stuff like where he was replacing text on the screen and it was doing like callbacks in real time, but without refreshing the page. And you'd go from like one place in the page to another. And the URL would change, even though you weren't going back to the server to do a full round trip. And it it kind of changed my impression of the quote unquote single page application. And and that let me explain that, Eric, because when when people have typically t- talked about single page, what comes to my mind are those. Have you ever seen like a business card website? Like someone puts up a single page that has a little bit of information about them, and that's all it is. And then kind of the more advanced ones are the ones where you like scroll down, like you know, maybe there's five or six kind of sub pages under the main page, but they're all, they're all accessed by scrolling down. Like that's what I've always thought about when I, when I thought about single page application. Right. Mm -hmm. But in, in this uh, session where Evan was showing stuff, like I could see like an entire like application with edit screens and all this kind of stuff, basically essentially all being in a, you know, under the guise of a single page but they don't even look that way because as you navigate them, the URL is changing as if you were on a, a traditional website, but the advantage was just the speed. It was so fast. I mean, it was just unbelievable how quick he was able to go from, you know, one step to another, to another. It really, really, I think like, I don't want to say it's a game changer because I'm sure people are already doing this and I'm like late to the party, but, uh, but I don't know how to do that stuff. And I felt like watching this, that it was within my grasp to do it. So that's my take on it. What did you think of Evan's stuff? Yeah, yeah, it was it was all impressive. I liked it. And uh, did you notice the uh, the fire? There might have been the the Chrome uh, View Tools or whatever. The uh, oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So one feature that I thought was super awesome was you can actually inside of a single page app, you can say export data, and it'll and then some, you can send it to somebody else. They can import it, and they get the exact same state your app is in when you exported it. And uh, yeah. so that's that's pretty huge whenever you're trying to debug stuff. Because um, we actually ran into that last time I built a single-page app. It was, you know, you had to go through all these crazy steps to get to the exact point where somebody would have a problem. Um, so having something like that is 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 pretty huge, I think. You know, what floored me is just like, you know, you're always impressed when somebody does something that's like, seems kind of monumental, like, hey, he created a JavaScript framework. That's pretty cool, you know? And then you find out that, oh, and I also just wrote this, you know, this add-in to Chrome to 
do all this debugging and stuff. And you're like, man, where does this guy's knowledge end? You know, he's doing things that are so, uh, so close. I'm glad you remember that. Cause that was, that is actually, I think something that's going to be key to the uh, success of this. Yeah. Well, I, um, I think wasn't Evan, you a Google engineer before he created Vue? I think he, I think he was. And, and there's no doubt that he's, you know, he's operating on a different level than I am. I mean, he's a smart guy, no doubt. Right. You know, uh, I know that Google's got really high, you know, hiring standards and, you know, what surprised me is I knew he worked for Google, but like when he was up there, he was talking about, sounded like he went from Google to somewhere else and possibly to somewhere else before he did this uh, view thing full time. Mm-hmm. And he did say that he was able to do it full time because of uh Kickstarter. Oh, was it Kickstarter? No, no it was Patreon, Patreon. Yeah. Patreon contributions and things like that. So yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, what other sessions were, were memorable to you? What did you like? Um, Oh man. Like, I, I liked all of them I've seen. Um, I liked uh, the uh, the the Ryan Singers at the end. Um, I really I really liked his. You know, t- talking about how um, you should create the user flow and and think about that that side of it instead of just throwing up a big edit page. You know, it's, I don't know. It's hard for me to explain exactly how it, how well he was, did it, but <laughs> it was a really interesting presentation. So for those of you who are listening to this who didn't see this yet. Well, first of all, as I understand it, when you bought your live stream ticket, it was supposed to cover everything except for the Ryan Singer talk, right? And that was because he was apparently going to use some customer information or something like that. I saw some tweets on Twitter and people had said, could you please like leave that part out of the talk so we can see it? And I thought that they were going to end up live streaming it. Now, I don't know if that also means that it'll be recorded and people will be able to watch this, but it was kind of this like surreal thing because, you know, I think 37 signals and then, you know, now they're known as Basecamp. I think they're kind of legendary within, especially for web developers, right? Because they, you know, they've kind of catered to the independent person and the, you know, the, the, the entrepreneur, um, that kind of, that kind of thing. So, uh, Ryan has this, like, what's his rollover at Basecamp? Do you know, is he like a lead design engineer or something? He's got a, you know, he's been there for a long time. Yeah, I'm not sure. He gets up on stage and he's got an iPad Pro connected to the projector and he hasn't got a single slide with him, right? Everything he does, he pulls out this pencil, the Apple pencil, and he starts writing on the iPad Pro and you see it on the screen. It's kind of almost like for those of us who are old enough, there once upon a time, probably before you were born, Eric, like professors would have these things called overhead projectors and they would put a piece of clear plastic down. That's not before my time. <laughs> oh, I don't know, man. You're pretty young. And they would take these like Sharpie markers and they would start writing on this plastic and it would, you know, the light would show it up on the screen. It was kind of like that in a way, except for all, you know, all digital. And he was able to zoom in and zoom out and move things around and stuff. Um, but it was, uh, it was really neat. You know, like you said, he, he, he was showing off this um, design methodology that they use yeah at i think it's camp. called jobs to be done was is part of it is that what he called it yeah it basically he was trying to help the audience understand how they design user interfaces and he walked the audience this i thought he was actually did so well he walked the audience from a starting point that he felt the audience would have a connection to to an ending point and i think the whole first half of it while you were watching him you didn't understand that he was laying the groundwork so that the second half would be that much more interesting and, and relevant for you. Like if he had just shown you the second half, you'd have just looked at it and been like, whatever. Basically what he kind of did, the example he gave is he, you know, he was doing this all by, by pencil saying like, Hey, here's what happens in web development. You, 
you have a users table and it has all this information in it. So what do you do? You create a CRUD screen for it. It has all these fields. And then later you need to add some field to it. So what do you do? Of course, you put it on the CRUD screen, right? And now when someone needs to update that field, you send them to the CRUD screen. There's all this information there. Like nobody knows what they're supposed to do. You Oh, you have to, to do this. You check this and you have to hit save and all that stuff. And he talked about letting, you know, the the behaviors that are needed drive the screens and things like that, right? And he talked, he had other terms for it. He talked about, for example, like one of the things he said that we don't, as designers, we don't take into consideration enough is uh, is like a third dimension. Everything's two dimensions for us. It's, you know, it's up and down, left and right. But he talked about the time dimension, right? If you were, I think the example he used, if you're going through a door, you know, there's there's the the time where you reach for the door handle and that's your interface to the door. And then you open the door, but you haven't gone through it yet. And then you're walking through it and, and these states of the door and your user interface change as you transition through to use the process and everything like that. Uh, I don't know. It, I know it was really neat. It was really well received. So if, if, you, if it does end up on online, Eric, you'll definitely obviously post to it. And, and I would definitely encourage people to, to watch it because I think it was, it was pretty neat. Yes, for sure. Uh, I enjoyed that one. I'm, I'm hoping, hoping they have it up. Um, and same way with all the other ones. Um, I, hope, yeah. I hope all the other ones are up because uh, the... From what I looked at this week, the the site that recorded them is called StreamAcon. They had yeah, it looks like the guy kind of set up a brand new thing there, yeah, didn't it? I think it's a new business, but uh, he has Taylor's up and he has Adams, but it's like you can't actually watch it yet. So I don't know. Um, I'm, okay. So I'm assuming he's he's still working through everything, trying to get it all ready. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, it looked like a nice site though. What he did there. Um, so let's see. We talked about Ben Ramsey's thing. I liked that. I like the Evan. Uh, I probably like you. I, I liked them all, but these are the ones I'm just kind of trying to think of what was memorable. The Ryan Singer one. Uh, I really liked Jack McDade's presentation. Um, and what was interesting about it is he just kind of told the story about, like, the part I think I remember the most is that they. <laughs> it's just so funny. Jack McDade, when he was younger, he worked at Radio Shack, and his boss apparently was like in love with Radio Shack. So like, Jack McDade like faked a web page to look like a Radio Shack webpage to sell some fictional product that didn't exist. It was like a hover car or something like that. And apparently convinced his boss, you know, the, the store manager that this was a real thing. And like the store manager like called the district manager and was trying to like order one. And like the whole thing was like, it was fake or whatever, but it, it just kind of like, you know, I don't know. I just thought it was funny and the story was really entertaining and there was more to it than that. But, uh, but I thought that Jack was a really good presenter and kind of kept me, on the edge of my seat the whole time not that nobody else did it as well but like sometimes at a technical conference you need that kind of blend of like you know it can't just all be like code on the screen because after a while you just kind of like your brain's just like okay i think i've had enough i need something different now right and and jack provided that so i, I really liked his session uh one that i missed that i heard was fantastic was the sandy metz one did mm -hmm. you see that one Eric? i did yeah sandy's was really good all her stuff is really good if you go um you can you know, she's got a bunch on YouTube and stuff from her previous conferences she's spoken at, and uh, they're all very, very good. So definitely check hers out. Yeah. And hers was on what testing and uh, what, refactoring, I believe, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't, I didn't see it, so I don't, I don't remember that one, but uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff. Um, did you go to the after party that they had this year? That was new. They didn't have an after party last year. I did go, which, well, I say I went, I went for a while and uh, the band started playing. I left because it was too loud. I was like, I can't handle I, this. I did the exact same thing. <laughs> I, uh, you know, so for those of you who don't know me, uh, like 
I'm a little bit sensitive to like loud stuff. Like if I, if I go to a concert, my ears are buzzing and ringing and stuff like that. So I, I tend not to do those things right where earplugs or something. And yeah, I got there. I feel like a little bit late, like it's probably started at eight and I probably walked in at eight 30 and I saw this band kind of setting up and I was just like, Oh, I know this is not going to end well. So they started playing and they were loud. They, right? they were. And, yeah. and then, I wanted to run over there and, and like turn it down. <laughs> yeah. So I, I didn't stay for very long, but I think Taylor showed up like right before I left and I saw a bunch of people there that I knew, um, but made it, you know, in and out of it. But it was, it was real close to the conference hotel. It was in that kind of fourth street live area. It was up on the second floor of, uh, I forget the name of the place, but looked like a nice, a, a nice venue. They had, you know, was it ping pong? They had, I don't know if they had, at least I think they had some pool in the back. They had these like uh, bag toss games, which I don't know if those are a thing everywhere, but in the United States, I know we have some friends that built these little, they're like little boxes with a hole in them. And you take a bag filled with like dried corn and you throw it like 40 feet across the air over to this little like square thing that has a hole in it and you try to land it in the hole or as close to the hole as you can without having it fall off or whatever and uh that turns out to be like at least for me being a computer guy it turns to be much more difficult than you would think right um, that's it's very popular down here i don't know about your area but everybody plays that game down here are you are you good at it um i don't say i'm good at it but i'm okay <laughs> you can hold your own yeah, yeah. another yeah, another I'm, game which uh, this is kind of off on a tangent, but uh, you I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called washers, and you take a, a washer, and, and then you have this little square thing of sand with a stub in the middle, uh, like a little metal stub. And so it, you play it the same way as you would the, uh, the bag toss game, but instead of bags, you throw washers, and you try to land them into the box. If it lands you know, in the sand in the box, then you get a point. If it lands on the stub, then you get like five points or something. But, wow, but it's very hard. And when you That's say, way much, way way harder than the bag toss. And when you say washer, you mean those like round, thin metal pieces with a hole right, in them, right? Yes. Like the kind of thing that like you'd see on like a bicycle axle or something right, like that. Yeah, not exactly. not the kind of thing that's washing your clothes. You're not you're not picking those up, right? Okay, I have to ask because if you don't know, you know, like Eric works out all the time and he's lifting these ginormous tires and stuff like that. So like you know, he's from down south. I don't know. Maybe they're lifting you know washing machines and throwing them into a box of sand. You know. Uh, I could I could totally see him pulling that off. So no, no I'm too small to be lifting heavy stuff. <laughs> I don't know about that, man. I don't know about that. Um, yeah, they had and they they had a uh, they had like a bocce ball game there, and they had some uh, another game I've seen. I don't know what it's called, but it's like a little miniature, almost looks like a bowling alley, but it's like maybe a foot and a half wide by like ten feet long, and you're supposed to slide something across it, but not so yeah. far that it falls off the end. That was uh, they call it shuffleboard. Uh, shuffleboard okay. it was but it was very hard <laughs> yeah. because the more sand so, that's on the table the the faster that little thing slides and then you can't get it to stop yeah so that was uh that was neat you know and that was new that they'd done and then one of the things that they had done in years past which they continued to do is right in the conference hall venue every day as soon as the last session got out they had free drinks for what did they do it for an hour? I think so. So it was yeah. like free drinks for an hour. And then after that, if you wanted drinks, you had to pay for them. It went from like open bar to, I guess you call it closed bar, or paid bar, or whatever. Um, but I think that was really nice because it kept a lot of people kind of together afterwards and gave people a chance to socialize and meet other folks. And I know for me, like I definitely, uh, you know, I definitely met, like I said, I met a lot of people. Uh, it was really, really pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I can't, can't wait till next year. I, I think we need to do a shout out for Dominic. Uh, this, this, gentleman that i met there his name was dominic i don't remember his last name but he's uh what what made dominic 
special, in addition to being way smarter than I am right now, is that I think Dominic is 13. So Dominic, if you're listening to this, it was nice meeting you. And uh, he was, he was to me, he was like a little celebrity at the show because he was like this young kid, but he really knew his stuff. Like I remember talking to him at lunch one day and I mean, like he was spouting out like words, like you could tell he, you know, this wasn't like his first time around like doing Laravel or whatever. So, um, you know, I feel like one day he's, he's going to do something really big, I'm sure. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and, and then I think uh, Abigail created a list of, you know, every, all the different co- countries that were in attendance. And oh, it was yeah. like, what did they have? It was like 20 something, I believe. It was crazy. Yeah. I know um, Michael and I, oh, I can't say his last name. Is it Diandra? D- D- uh, the guy from Australia? Yeah, I, I, does I, the, I think it's Drylinda. I don't know. I'm oh, sure maybe, I'm but- yeah, butchering I, it. It's one of those things I've like kind of glanced at in my mind, kind of decided how to pronounce it. But then I later looked at it and realized I was wrong. And I never really went back <laughs> to figure out the actual correct uh, pronunciation. But him and uh, Jacob Bennett do a, a podcast called North Meets South, I think is what they call it. Yeah. Um, which they just got started. So I met both of those guys at Laracon, so that was pretty cool. Um, what did you think of the food this year? Was it on par? Uh, I, think it was the, it? I think it was the same as last year. Yeah, I think they used the same caterer that they had last year for the box lunches. And I thought mine were pretty good. I ended up having salads two of the days, and then sandwich. I think I had a sandwich one of the days, and you know they all had cookies and little things of noodles and stuff like that. So you know, um, good stuff. I also enjoyed some of the food outside of the conference. I went to, there was like a little Mexican place across the street, went there one day and, uh, you know, I don't know, like uh, uh, Yelp said it had like four point something stars. Some people that I went with said they really liked it. And some people said they thought it was just, you know, so, so, but I enjoyed it. It was good. So yeah, for sure. Good stuff. Lots of, lots of things to do around, around there. Yeah. So anything else about the conference to talk about or is that, I think that rounds it out. I think I think that's all we have for this week. Um, I want to thank uh, Shippo for sponsoring uh, the podcast this week. And um, we will see you in two weeks. Awesome. See you in a couple of weeks, everyone. Thanks for listening. This concludes this episode of the Laravel News Podcast. If you like the show, please rate it five stars on iTunes. If you have feedback for the podcast, please email us at podcast at laravel-news.com. Thanks for listening.